Welcome to the A-Game Podcast with Nick LaMagna, digging into the minds and experiences of some of today's brightest entrepreneurs in real estate and business, along with Hollywood stars, UFC fighters, and your favorite rock bands. People that have figured out how to overcome obstacles, take chances, live boldly, and no matter what they do, they always bring their A-game. Welcome to the A-Game Podcast. This is Nick LaMagna. Today's episode is brought to you by Nationwide Business Capital Group. If you go on www.nicknicknick.com forward slash links, you will see a link to touch base with Marianne. She will handle all of your real estate needs if you are looking to get deals funded for you or for your buyers, whether it's commercial, residential, lines of credit, fix and flips, rentals, whatever the situation is. Marianne's one of the craftiest people I've seen in this business and she can get the deal done. And if she can't, Nobody can go to www.nicknicknick.com slash links and you will see the link for Marianne and Nationwide Business Capital Group. Tell them the A-game sent you over as well as uh, Naked Warrior Recovery. So CBD by a Navy SEAL, a Naked Warrior Recovery link is on there as well. Put in uh, code A-game to get 20% off on all your gummies or joint therapy stuff to help you sleep, help with anti-inflammation, uh, all that good stuff. So um, we're going to get started today. What I wanted to, to go into today for just the 20, 25 minutes or so is talking about the mental side of real estate and having bad days, but not having bad deals. It's something I say a lot. Um, so I always tell people have bad days, don't have bad deals because that's a normal part of life. And it's a normal part of, of any business, but especially of being an entrepreneur, you're going to have highs and lows. You're going to have ups and downs. Every single day, the sky is falling. Deals are falling apart. Deals are together. Somebody wants to lend you money. Somebody doesn't have any money anymore. Somebody's going to buy. Then they ghost on you. They're, I mean, it's, it's just an everyday thing. So you'll hear a uh, familiar pattern when I talk to people like Ken Marino, for instance. We were talking about it, about not letting the highs get you too high and not letting the lows get you too low because it can be emotionally exhausting. And part of what I want this episode to be about is to let you have those bad times, be upset, be mad, because what I used to do was fight that, you know, I'm not going to let myself feel that I'm not going to let myself be disappointed about that. You start to harbor it and you start to build it up. And then what starts to happen in my case, again, I'm speaking for myself, it might not be for everybody, but you then get on the phone with a, a wholesaler who's maybe not giving you all the info you wanted. So you start to clap back at him or, or be a little bit nasty or short. Or you're talking to somebody at home or you're dealing with somebody else that's on another project or a business partner, somebody at the gym, somebody that really has nothing to do with where your real frustrations are. And it starts to carry over into those conversations. And I've been very good about it over the years, but I, I thought it was important to do because I've had one or two occurrences in the last, I'd say 30, 60 days that I find myself being a little bit nasty to people who, who really didn't deserve it. And it was because I had two or three or four bad conversations in a row or people not performing or doing what they are. And then you start to put yourself in that mindset of, you know what, nobody's doing what they're supposed to and off with everybody's head. And, you know, luckily I have people that I have good relationships for. And that's why I like having people like that around that keep me in check. And, you know, one of the times I caught myself and I said, you know what, that really wasn't the way to handle it. 
And the person was cool about it. I was like, listen, you know, I had a really bad day. I had some bad things in a row and you were like the last or fourth or fifth bad thing in a row. So that came across with a little bit of uh, aggressiveness that really was unprofessional on my part. So, you know, I apologize. And, and he said, you know what? I get it. I understand the, the situation was, was very frustrating. And I understand that you're frustrated with what's going on and it's not getting done. And I said, yeah, you know what? I am. I'm, I'm not sorry about being upset about the situation or calling you out on the situation. I'm upset about the way that I communicated that to you. And, and that's really what it comes down to is it's okay to check people. It's okay to call people out. It's okay to not let them get away with things or, or you know, keep, keep them on a tight leash so they, they're getting things done. But there is a professional way to communicate that. And I feel like when you harbor all that resentment and anger and frustration and energy, it starts to come out in bad ways. So back to my slogan of had bad deals, don't have bad days. You're going to have bad days in this business, but this is the emotional part of it is whatever it is that you need to do to get that energy out. So sellers not responding, buyers not responding, lenders not coming through, whatever's happening, you're, you're, you're fighting with your, your business partner. You're not closing your deals or hitting your quotas. You're, you're getting out on all your properties. I mean, you name it, whatever it is you're feeling today. And it doesn't have to just be real estate. It could be the stock market or the job market, or you got unemployed or your, your paycheck protection program is running out. Whatever that frustration is, you're a person. You're allowed to have those feelings. You're allowed to be upset. You're allowed to have that release. And I feel if you fight that, that's when it really starts to manifest itself into other ways. So go for a run, scream in a pillow, have a cookie, drink a beer, eat an edible, whatever it is that you need to do to get that off of your plate and go, okay, what? I, I got that out. I threw my little temper tantrum. I had my internal blow up. I got it out. Okay, now I'm going to get back to business. So you can have that bad day. You can be upset for that day. And then the next day you get right back on the phone, you get right back on the computer, you start calling other lenders, you start calling other borrowers, you start calling backup buyers, whatever it is, you get right back on the horse, but feel it. Let yourself be mad, let yourself be angry, let yourself be scared, let yourself be upset, and then get right back to business because the deal of a lifetime comes around once a week. And I try and remember a saying somebody once told me, I, I for, really forget where I heard it, but they said, you have made it through everything in life so far. That's true. You know, how many things have you had anxiety about or worried about? And, you know, oh my God, this is so bad. And there's been some really things, but at the end of the day, still here, I found a way to get through it, you know, and people are understanding as long as you communicate it the right way. And, you know, and when it opens up that dialogue, sometimes if you can voice that out, like the other person was like, Hey man, I might be reading this wrong, but are you coming at me with a shitty tone? And I was like, I didn't even realize that I was, but you know what? Yeah. Now that I'm looking at this, you're right. I, I probably was. And you know, my, my bad, like, I didn't mean to take that out on you. The frustration is not really with you. And he was like, well, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm frustrated with the situation too, but I'm not taking that on you. So in the interest of, you know, I said mutual respect, you know, let's, let's keep it clean and focus on the, on the prize and getting things done. And I was like, yeah, man, you know, I, I appreciate that. So, you know, you, you have those battles, your people are perfect. You know, I'm far from perfect. I mess up. I do stuff sometimes, but you acknowledge it and you learn from it. And I realized it was because I'm stuck in quarantine. You know, I'm not, I'm not getting my jujitsu in. I'm not getting the things in there that I have these normal outlets to get these things out. So I had to find them. So I went back to making sure I got my run and made, went back to making sure I was eating healthier food because all that stuff plays for me very much into my mood and my energy. So if I'm, I'm having a stressful day, I'll start to spiral out and go, but forget it. I'm going to order Sonic and I'm going to have a, a Big Mac and a 
go to Burger King and I'm going to eat all this crap and then maybe I'll drink a beer and who knows what it is. And I'm not going to work out because I have to make these phone calls and it just sends me down a bad path. So I have to identify that. So, you know, what? I'm starting to have a bad day, but if I don't let myself have this bad day, it's going to ruin a relationship. It's going to ruin you know, turning into the real estate side of it to make sense of this. Let's say, and I see it all the time with people that I'm mentoring or, or people I'm, I'm helping with deals, they'll show me a deal or I'll look at a deal. You know, I, I've done it too. And some of the deals that I realize I probably shouldn't have done when I started, it was because I wanted that deal to work so bad. I just wanted it to work. So when you look at it and you're starting to look at the numbers, it really wasn't that good a deal. You know, you, you get under contract with the numbers you initially think it is. It happens all the time. You're excited. Yes, this is a great deal. These numbers look outstanding. Look with this wholesaler, this realtor sent me over. You start counting your money. Oh, I'm going to make 40, 50 grand on this. It's going to be amazing. And then you go into your inspection period, or then you get your contractor, your team over there. Or then you get your, your inspection done or the appraisal comes in low and you're like, man, it costs more than I thought it was going to cost to fix up. It's not going to sell for as much as I thought it was going to sell for. It's going to cost me more than I thought it was going to be to borrow it. And you start going, well, I could still make some money. I could maybe make this work. Maybe I could cut the rehab a little bit. Maybe I could sell it at a little bit of a discount, or maybe I can get into a bidding war and I can hope it sells for more. You know, you, you start to convince yourself and justify these costs because you want the deal to happen versus now I'm going to say, you know what? I thought this was a deal. I was really excited. And now I'm realizing that it's not a deal. And now I'm pissed. I was counting on that 30, 40 grand. It's not coming in. I'm going to have a bad day. I'm going to eat my cookie. I'm going to stop my feet. I'm going to go play with my dog. I'm going to go to jujitsu. I'm going to do whatever I need to do to blow off that steam and channel out that energy. And I'm going to have my bad day. But if I don't have that bad day and I do this and I go, oh, I really work and I cover my eyes and I convince myself to do that deal anyway, because I don't want to have a bad day. I don't want to feel bad. I don't want to be upset. I don't want to be deflated. I don't want to admit defeat that that property is not really a deal because I put so much energy and mental energy and time into that, that I just want it to work. So I don't want to have that bad day and face the reality that it's a bad deal. So I do the deal. And now six months later, I can't get out of that deal. And now I'm going, man, the contractor actually is taking longer and now I'm going over budget and my margins were already tight. Now it looks like I might break even. Then you start to see that your carrying costs went a little bit longer. Then all of a sudden the market starts to turn. Maybe you can't sell it at the air, but you thought it was. Now you're just trying to get out of it and you can't even sell it without a loss. You're going to have to come up with money at the table. Your lenders are breathing down your neck. That gets so stressful. And at the end of the day, you're going to look back and go, man, deep down, I knew this wasn't a deal. I should not have done this deal, but I really didn't want to have a bad day. And because I wasn't at that mental place to just have the bad day and face the bad news, I now have a bad deal. A bad day would have been over six months ago and I would have been on to another project. But instead of having the bad day, I have the bad deal and the bad deal I can't get out of. You will have bad days any business you're doing, especially in real estate, especially being an entrepreneur. Have the bad days. Because if you don't have the bad days, you're going to have the bad deals. And the bad deals, you don't get out of all the time. Sometimes you don't come back from them. That's when you can lose your lender's money. You can lose your reputation. You could lose money on a deal. And especially if you're first starting out, which a lot of people that listen to this podcast are, you don't have a ton of reserves. You don't have liquidity. You don't, you know, I don't want you to go out there and have a bad experience on your first couple of investments and, you know, eat dirt and then say, this doesn't work. I had a really bad experience now. 
people don't want to lend me money anymore. I'm scared to do another property because there's a lot of good money to be made. There's a lot of good deals to be done, but you can't get emotional and hang on to bad news. So listen to it. When, when you're feeling those things, I realized that if I just would have faced facts and said, you know what, there's, there's other deals out there. This is not the deal for me. I have to go back and now I have to renegotiate with the seller or maybe it's a bad area and I just walk away. But I've said this a few other times before, understand that it's, it's all a numbers game. When you're dealing, especially in real estate, motivations of sellers change every day, every day. So when you're doing this the correct way, especially the, the way that I do it is I'm getting multiple bids in there. So I'm having people come back and I'm getting multiple people telling me what it's going to cost to fix that property up to the specific condition that I need to sell it at a certain price. And then I'm getting facts. I'm getting numbers from multiple sources proving to me how fast I should be able to sell that property and what I should be able to sell that property at. So I know what it's going to cost to fix up and when it's fixed up to that level, how long it should take to sell and what I should sell it at. So if those numbers come back inaccurate at any time during my due diligence period, those are facts. Those are opinions. And now I have the facts. So I have to look at the facts. Okay. The, the numbers are telling me that emotionally I want to do the deal, but my emotions are about to get hurt. My feelings are about to get hurt. I'm about to have a bad day because I'm going to see that not a deal. doesn't work. So now I have to back out, but I have facts to go back with and renegotiate. So when I go back to that seller and I say, Mr. Seller, look, nobody wants this property to match up with these numbers more than me. I want to buy it more than you want to sell it. However, the facts are right here from three contractors showing that this is what it's going to cost to fix up four or five different realtors telling me what it's going to cost, uh, what, what it's going to be for the real ARV because you're in a different school district. You're on the wrong side of the tracks or in a different side of town, two story versus one story, basement, no basement, whatever the situation may be. Home inspection comes back. Maybe there's alleged mold. Maybe there's foundation issues. Who knows what it is, but you come back and you state the facts and you go based on these numbers, this is my new offer. And now based on this offer, I can still close in the same amount of time. We can still get this done, but not at that original price at this new price. It's called a price reduction. And with that, they tell you no. They might tell you to go screw yourself, especially in markets like some of these really competitive markets, like in, in Florida, maybe Tampa, one, one of the markets that I know there's a lot of people investing in. If you're in a situation where there's buyers out there, especially for wholesale deals or, or houses that are retail, it's multiple people looking for properties. There, there's low inventory right now in a lot of these markets. So they could tell you to go screw yourself and say, no, I'm going to go sell it to somebody else. And then if it goes long and, and they sell it to somebody else, you didn't lose that deal. You didn't lose any money because that was not a deal. At that price that you were going to buy it at, it didn't work or you would have bought it. So if they didn't accept your new price, okay, who cares what somebody else does? You're going to look at it and go, well, you know, somebody else bought it. They probably made money on it. No, I see people overpay for properties that I walk away from all the time and probably spend twice the budget I would have to fix it up and they lose money on the property. Or maybe somebody's buying it just to move in. You can't get caught up in the psychology of what's going on with that. You need to just look at it and say, this is the numbers. I'm not looking at the emotion. Emotionally, I'm having a bad day, but I don't wanna have a bad deal and buy this and find out six months now that I should have just been upset for one day. One day you get over, six months you don't. That's a much bigger, bigger, bigger hole to get out of. So you get out of that money pit and you go back and what you'll start to see is, I'd say not all the time, but definitely some of the time, when you now give them those facts, especially if you're going through something that's on the MLS, the realtors sign seller's disclosures, the sellers sign seller's disclosures, and they 
the disclosings that they know about the property. So when I was doing this and there was a lot of foreclosures on the market, when I first started investing, I was dealing with Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac all the time. And these bank owned denims, they would have all these disclosures saying, we don't know anything about the property. We don't know anything about the property. We don't know anything about the property. And then when you go and you say, look at all these things about the property, technically when it goes back on the market and now somebody else comes back and they say, Hey, my name is Brad Johns. I'm looking to buy this property. Do you know anything about it? They can't give you that disclosure saying, we don't know anything about the property. They have to say, well, we actually got this page inspection report from this knucklehead Nick. And he says, there's all these things wrong with it. And here's his contractor's bids. And it makes it harder to sell. And especially if it's maybe the end of the year or, you know, the weather's about to turn, something's happening. They might go, you know what? It took us four or five months to sell this property. Now we're going to have to disclose all these things. We're going to have to put it back on the market. And maybe they go and they shop it out for another week or two. But I take all my nose as a not yet, because many times when you get that fish on the hook, and all of a sudden somebody goes, hey, congratulations, Mr. Mr. Seller, you got an accepted offer today, you know, well, or, or, you know, you got an offer on your property and they accepted it and everybody's happy. They think they're going to sell it. I think I'm going to buy it. The realtor thinks they're getting their commission, the contract getting the work, the lender thinks they're getting the loan. Everybody's spending that money. Everybody's happy. And then five, six days into your due diligence period, you find out, uh-oh, not really a deal. They've already been counting that money. So it's amazing because when you have, again, that fish on the hook, a lot of the times the negotiations, they become a lot better. And the things that you never would have thought you would have agreed to or that they would have agreed to initially now become realities. It happens a lot. I just literally, before I started doing this, we were going back and forth on a property and somebody came in with a low offer. And I went back to the, to the seller and I was like, look, this is what's coming back. But I, I told them no. And they were like, well, why? You said you wouldn't take anything less than this. Well look at it. You know, it's been sitting there. This is the only offer I've gotten. And Hey, I know you think this is what you should get for it. But the reality is you've been trying to get that number for four or five months. This is the only number that's coming in. So it might not be what you want, but it is what you'll take because now class taking holding costs, there are your other investments, whatever it is that's happening, there's other things that they need to do. And at some point the reality sets in of this might be the only offer. It might take me another four months and they go, you know what? I'll take it, but I'm not happy about it. And you start to create deals. And that's another saying that I love to, to tell people is deals are not found, deals are created. It's very rare that I go, oh, this is what you want. This is what I'll give you. High five. Everybody's happy. It's usually a series of, of no, it's not going to work. And then it is going to work. And then we renegotiate and then it doesn't work out again. And then they disappear. And then they come back two weeks later because the person that they thought was actually going to buy it that they went to instead of me turned out to be a daisy chain wholesaler or they really couldn't get it done. And now they came back to me and now they want to get it done again. And now I go back to the buyer and I tell them, Hey, we're back on. And then we go back to the lender. It takes work. And that's the emotional roller coaster. Some of the biggest deals I've done have come together and fallen apart two, three, four, five times. It takes months to get them done. But at the end of the day, you stick with it and you get them done and you stay the course and you figure out, okay, this is not about the short game. This is about getting this deal done. So how do I do that? I do it by not letting my emotions get the best of me and not letting the big picture trap me into doing bad business because bad business and bad deals. Again, those are things that are really tough. So you have to fight those emotions. It's, it's just, it's again, part of this business that I had to learn the hard way. And there's a lot of times that I can look back and say, you know what, at the end of the day, I knew I shouldn't have bought that or I shouldn't have done that. And again, it doesn't have to just be real estate. You can look at a lot of things in life and, and really look back and know, yeah, I shouldn't have dated that girl. Or I should have broke up with her sooner. or I shouldn't have bought that car, or I whatever it is, you know, but start to learn as you get older or you get more experience in, in business when you 
when you're starting to feel that, and I remember when people would ask me questions, so I, I'd go to lenders or, you know, even my parents when we first started doing stuff and, and they'd ask me things about the property. Well, what about this? And, you know, how do you know it's going to cost that much to fix up? And how do you know this guy's the right guy to do it? And how do you know it's going to sell? And the questions would get me angry and I get frustrated and I'd start to get short. Forget it. You know what? You don't understand. And I realized that to me now, if I start to get that feeling of like, they're asking me questions, I'm getting upset, I'm, I'm feeling agitated. I have to look at that and go, okay, this is telling me something. Why? Why am I getting like that? Why am I feeling like that? And I have to start to learn from that. So I'm starting to identify it more and more because what that again turns into is like, okay, there's something here. I want to slow down. I don't want to react. I don't want to send that text message. I don't want to send that email. I don't want to send that voicemail because I'm feeling like I'm getting some resistance. So maybe that's telling me that I have to look at this deal again. I have to maybe pay attention to you know what, maybe they're asking questions and I need to go back and do my homework or I need to have these or maybe these are questions that I want to answer. I didn't want to ask because I didn't want to know the answers because I didn't want to get the bad news. That is always what it ties back to. A lot of the times I don't want to ask the questions because I don't want to know the answer. And what I've learned is you're going to find out that answer eventually. If that contract is no good, I want to know today. I don't want to know six months from now. If that ARV is not going to check out and I can't make money on that deal, I want to know that today. I don't want to stick my head in the sand and, and wait till three or four months later to put it in the market and then go, you know what? I, I wasn't able to sell it. Well, why not? You know what? I probably should have done more due diligence up front. Well, now I look like an idiot. So again, I, I want to make sure I'm doing right and I'm diligent about it. And I'm trying to learn from those things of, okay, I'm, I'm having a bad day. I'm getting mad. I'm getting upset. I'm being a person. That's what happens when you're a human. If you think anybody out there, I don't care how successful they are, you see them on Facebook, you see them on Instagram, you see them on TV, you see Grant Cardone, Tony Robbins, I don't care who they are, they're people. They still have emotions, they still have bad days, they still have frustrations, they still get annoyed with themselves and with people or they get tired or cranky or irritable. The difference is they get better at identifying it. They get better at controlling it. They get better at not letting it creep up and, and, and blast out when it's a problem, they're identifying it in themselves. They have that self-control. They have that self-awareness to say, okay, I'm feeling something now. What is that? I have to go address that. I have to fix that. I'm not going to go react. I'm not going to go fire off a text message. I'm not going to go start cursing this person out. I'm going to back up and I'm going to think about, okay, I'm mad. I'm going to have my bad day. I'm going to go now. And maybe again, you curse into a pillow. Or one of the things I used to do is I would send the angry text message or the angry voicemail to one of my business partners. And then come back to me maybe a half a day later, an hour later, a day or two later. And they go, you know what? I, I read your, your text message. I read your email. I heard your voicemail. It's been a day or two. Do you still feel the same way? Yep, I do. Okay, great. You know what? Send the email, send the voicemail or like, holy crap, thank God you sent that to me and not to them. That would have been a big mistake. And then you find out later on that that really wasn't what the situation was. It's always better to hold your tongue and, and to sit back a little bit and control your emotions and not fire off. Have that emotional intelligence to wait. And another one of my mentors, what he would do is he would always carry around a water bottle. And on the water bottle, he would just always have it in his hand. And I remember asking him one time, I would hear people say ridiculous things to him. And I knew from looking at him that he wanted to fire off and say something to the person like, that's a dumb question or what you just said is ridiculous. Or, what you just said is insulting or whatever, laugh at something, whatever it is. And he never would. He would always be calm and he would wait. And then he would respond with something that always made him seem a level up. Like he would give the Yoda answer, the Silent Bob answer. And I asked him, I'm like, man, how do you do that? The cat around the water bottle. 
And what happens is every time I want to open my mouth and speak, I take a sip of water and I count to 10. And at the end of that 10 seconds, if I still want to say what I thought I wanted to say before I took the sip, I'll say it, but I usually don't. Usually after 10 seconds, it's just not firing off exactly what's about to come out of my mouth. Something rational comes in. And it's always the better response when you're not reacting emotionally, you're acting logically, you're taking the high road, especially when you're in a heating exchange. Again, you don't know what the person on the other end is doing. And that, that's, again, another thing, that's communication. When you met, just admit it. You know, I was having a bad day. I'm really sorry. This is not normally who I am. And uh, another person I was talking to in that same situation, uh, what I, I put it on the email, I say, look, you know, I, I was having a bad day, sorry. She was like, you know what, I was too. So I'm sorry that I fired out with you because again, what she did was wrong, but I should have addressed it better. I shouldn't have done it the way I did it. She shouldn't have done what she done. We both were having a bad day. And you know what, now we communicate much better. And now we're aware that some people don't do well on phones and texts or some conversations or some, some things that need to be discussed aren't done well over text and email because you can't hear that tone. And if there's going to be any sort of situation where the tone could be misconstrued and now you can sound like a jerk or they could take it the wrong way, jump on the phone. It's worth spending a minute or two. Or if you start to see that on that communication that that's what's happening, then yeah, you should probably call them and be like, hey, I know you read this. I'm getting the feeling that you're reading it the wrong way. Let me just explain to you what I'm saying. I'm, I'm not upset at all or I'm not mad at all or I'm not being aggressive at all. I'm legitimately asking. I'm not being sarcastic like, what did you mean by this? What did they mean by this? When is this coming in? And, and that becomes a big piece of it. But, you know, you also have to learn to hold people accountable. So there, there's a balance between, you know, so to speak, taking shit and letting people walk all over you versus holding that fine line. So again, there's a way to be professional and hold people accountable without being a jerk about it. And people are going to want to work for you. People are going to want to do things for you. People are going to understand and and adapt with you better when you can communicate those things better. So again, wrapping the whole thing up, it's just having those bad days. I wanted to touch on that because in this business deals fall apart every day and then deals come back together the next day. And you have to make sure that you're not running news. You're not running away. Oh, I didn't want to check up on the contractor because I didn't want to hear that he wasn't at the job or that I had to fire him and now I have to get a new one or the property manager or whole thing I was just going with. I didn't want to go and ask the property manager all these questions because I didn't want to find out that she was a terrible property manager, probably stole the money this month, and now I have to go deal with that. But you know what? Do I want to deal with it now or do I want to deal with it later? I don't want to dig my head in the sand because now, two, three, four, five months from now of not addressing it, now I have a bad property. Now that property is maybe totally vacant, especially on a multi-unit. You stick your head in the sand because you don't want to hear bad news from your property manager or your maintenance guy. That could cost you tens and tens of thousands of dollars every single week. That could be really, really bad. So instead I just go, you know what? Call my property manager line to me. Call my property manager money. Bad day. I am pissed off. I'm going to be pissed off. I'm going to feel it. I'm going to talk about it. And when I talk to her, I'm going to be calm and I'm going to be rational. And I'm going to address it because the goal is to get my money and get my building there, but I'm going to address it now when it's a small problem. And that's really the biggest thing is I start to see in real estate, no matter where it is, people go, well, how do you invest in properties all over the country? And I tell people, if you have not had a problem with a property manager or a contractor, that has nothing to do with real estate being across the country or right next door. 
that means that you just have not done enough real estate yet because eventually you will have problems with contractors. Eventually you will have problems with property managers. That's a real estate problem. But if you're doing talking about and you're not sticking your head in the sand and you're allowing yourself to just have the bad news, bad news and have the bad days, face that, fix it. You'll catch it when it's a small problem. If you don't and you run from that information, and you stick your head in the sand because you don't want to hear the bad news. So you start believing, oh, he's not really stealing the money. He's going to catch up on the job. They're going to rent out all the units. They're going to do X, Y, and Z. It's never going to get better, especially if it's a new relationship. You have a new contractor in there, new maintenance guy in there, new property manager taking over that building, and they're already not communicating with you. They're already not getting the job done. They're already, you, when you pick up that phone, you feel like, oh, I feel like I'm working for them. That's bad. That's not going to get better. This is the best have this is the first date so this is their first impression it's only going to get worse cut it off now because if you cut it off now yeah you got to go get another property manager another contractor another another lender whatever it is but do it because if you don't you're going to have to do it three four five months from now and now that's a much bigger hole to jump out of and now you're going to say man i wish i just would have had the bad day four or five months ago because deep down i knew i knew this was coming i knew what was happening now i'm in a bad deal I would have rather had a bad day. I could have been four or five deals over because especially those bad deals, I've been in them. They take money. They take energy. They take time. And now that's taking away from you being able to focus on better deals, new assets, new acquisitions, new partnerships, new lenders, going out there and doing things. You got this for the good, not the bad. So in turn, again, it's real estate. Be a person. Don't run from bad news face it head on and take care of it when it's a small problem. Because if you have the bad days and take them on when they're small problems, you won't have these big problems later on. And that's really when things start to get out of control. So small problem, not a big deal. We can fix it. We might make a little bit less money. The deal might take a little bit longer to stabilize or to sell, but it's still going to be a deal. We're still going to make money. We're still going to be okay. We're just going to have a couple of growing pains, bumps and bruises along the way versus having bad deals. Those are ones that you're losing money when you're getting out of. You have to short sell them. That could be just a nightmare. I don't want to see you guys have bad deals. Have bad days. Bad days are okay. Bad days are part of life. Don't have bad deals. Hope this was helpful. Uh, again, I know I ramble a little bit on these. I just try and figure out some of the things that are relevant to me and uh, talk a little bit about them, a little bit tactical, a little bit uh, emotional, a little bit just experience stuff. So you guys are sending me some, um, some ideas just podcast at nicknicknick.com. Shoot me an email and stuff you'd like to hear me talk about. And uh, I'll start to get better at honing these in and staying on task with a specific topic and giving you guys some good advice, hopefully to you not only succeed in real estate, but help you as an entrepreneur on and off the mat, so to speak. Thank you for listening. Appreciate it. Love you, mom. Have a great day, guys. Ever wanted to play the drums? Or do you want to get your kids some drum lessons to burn some of that energy while they are all locked up? Take advantage of a free drum lesson with one of the tri-state area's most respected drummers, Dan LaMagna. Dan LaMagna has played in such bands as Crown of Thorns, Suicide City, Biohazard, The Real McKenzie's, Sworn Enemy, The Walls of Jericho. He has played all over the world and he is also endorsed by such companies as DW, Vader, and Sabian. Dan has taught tons of people from all different age groups and all different music styles. He can teach adults, kids, advanced, beginner, any types of styles from metal, all different types of percussion, whatever style you want. Get a free drum lesson today from Dan. All you need to do is text the word DRUMMER, D-R-U-M-M-E-R, to the number 833-482-2000.
0167. Again, text DRUMMER to 833-482-0167 for your free drum lesson.